welcome to the Business Brainwave Show with Renata Jute, where we will look at ways to optimize your business. So, September month is Trust Month at Noble Prosperity, and I'm so excited to introduce and bring to you Fear Funder Spey from Trustees as my guest. I didn't uh, interview with Fear that stretched uh, over quite a period of time, and uh, I then broke up that interview into several uh, smaller podcasts, and I will be bringing those podcasts to you during the month of September. So if you are interested in all things trusts, and you want to know how trusts are affected by the taxes and the law and what the master has to say about trusts, then stick around. Make sure that you pick up on all the podcasts during the month of September where Fear Funder Spay from Trustees will be my guest. Okay, the next topic, and for this video, our last topic, divorce and trust. And man, have we seen many of those over the years. Um, and yeah, I've seen cases where people thought that they could um, hide behind the trust. And in certain cases, the trust stood up and held up in court. Um, and in certain cases, the trusts did not hold up. Uh, in my personal experience, what I found from a practical side is if the trust was administered properly, and all resolutions were done properly, and it was all out in the open, and nothing was done to hide, or nothing was done to specifically um, exclude the other party, then that trust with, would generally hold up. But if it was at all any suspicion that this trust was purely there, and that now the trust was being used as a shield, that we were now trying to hide the assets, that we were gaining almost like an unfair advantage, and that we were not wanting to play fair in the divorce. That is often when, as they call, they pierce the veil, and they would just get in there, and the trust would not hold up. So that is from a practical point of view and I've seen many of these cases over the years so from your perspective here yeah I know that we spoke and you said that you would give us uh, specifically court cases one way a trust did hold up and one way it did not so over to you yes I think a lot of people forget that while things are going well you know we don't anticipate anything would go wrong however probably one of the biggest creditors um, of a trust or a soon-to-be ex-spouse is the soon-to-be ex-spouse. And uh, one needs to plan for that. And then, uh -huh. as Renata rightly say, your behavior needs to demonstrate that you have treated, you know, the trust assets separate from yourself. And that's where, you know, the court cases, as far as trusts are concerned, the courts have perfected the definition of what an alter ego trust is now. An alter ego is an extension of yourself. So you have basically disregarded the trust form and you've treated the assets as if they belong to you. That's very different from a sham trust, by the way, where mm. the courts eventually got it right, um, where they say a sham trust never existed to start off with. The founder never had the intention to create a trust. He created something else. That is very different from an alter ego trust, where the trust will carry on existing. It's just for calculation purposes, for example, you know, um, the courts would take uh, trust assets into account. 
So um, as Renata say, you know, too many court cases where um, spouses have jumped on the bandwagon, especially when they got to know the um, the alter ego concept. And now they think, no, they can penetrate that trust because, um, you know, mostly the trust um, were the holder of all the major assets of the spouse. And, you know, you would want to get away to actually get in there. So just to start off with, um, as, a, as a general statement, I always say to people, if you are not a beneficiary, you cannot benefit from that trust as a starting point. If you're not a trustee, you're not a decision maker. So when you get married and you're all very happy together and you now start setting up trust, make 100% sure. Don't believe people say one day you can become my follow-up trustee or one day we're going to make you a trustee. Um, or there's a, there's a tax reason, you know, we can't be founders, trustees and beneficiaries. The court said in the Goodrey case, it makes no difference if you are a founder, a trustee and a beneficiary of a trust. So don't let anybody tell you, you cannot be all three of those. So make sure that if you want to benefit from the trust at all, you have to be a beneficiary. If you want to have a say in trust matters without going to court and you know, start a long drag out legal process, be a trustee because you have a say, joint ownership, joint control. So that's the starting point, you know, before we even hit this dirty road with, uh, you know, becoming a soon-to-be ex-spouse and, you know, we're in court and trying to attack a trust. So I just want to talk about two cases and, uh, you know, as we say, there are too many of them. So in 2017, there was a Mills versus Mills case. And I think this is a very big warning to um, spouses. Don't for once think, I don't care, let him carry on with the trust. Oh, she said, by the way, let him carry on with the trust. You know, um, I will be able to pierce it because they're sloppy. They don't make decisions. They don't meet, you know. Don't for once think that if that is the case, you you guarantee to, you know, get your fair share. In the Moles versus Moles case, obviously the husband, you know, was very sloppy. Um, he didn't treat the assets as, as um, trust assets. And even though the spouse alleged that he's done it purposefully, you know, with a, with a, a purpose to actually affect her claim, because they were married um, out of community property with a pool, um, the court said, you know what, the correct remedy uh, would have been to remove him as trustee. So even though the, uh, her legal side didn't request it, I think that would still have been a beautiful second prize because if you're not a trustee, you can't make decisions, right? But um, they obviously didn't ask for that. So the court said, regardless of the fact that he's been so sloppy, the correct remedy would have been to remove him, but they couldn't find any ulterior motive for him to actually create these trusts in the first place to actually hide assets and affect a cruel claim. So be very mindful to start throwing around, you know, alter ego, alter ego. And, um, you know, even though, um, you know, he didn't treat the trust assets, he didn't meet, there's no resolutions, there's no documentation. Um, you know, if there's not an ulterior motive that you can prove, um, you know, then the courts may actually, um, you know, vote against you. So that's one warning signal. Um, you know, most trusts that we see are sloppy, messy. It does not mean that there was an ulterior motive that the courts can prove. It probably was, you know. We, we all know, you know, how people went about and why they created trust in the first place. Be, be mindful and make sure you're in a position to demonstrate that there was an ulterior motive. Another court case also in 2017, the REM versus VM case, 
the courts actually got fed up with people hiding assets. So if the courts can prove that you are hiding your assets, and um, obviously, again, there's an alter ego scenario, then the courts say they are going to look right through the trust. And um, basically, they said, you know, when you get married and you have a contract and you agree, you know, if ever we part ways, you know, we're going to go 50-50. The fact that you set up a trust should not change that, right? The 50-50 kind of uh, ratio should stand. And if you do it purposefully to kind of interject the trust to actually affect the claim, um, you know, that was one case where the courts really got fed up and said, you know, they're going to just pierce the veil, look right through it and include the assets of the trust to, um, you know, in the calculation of the, of the claim. So I think it's two cases where um, you kind of, kind of make with it what you want. I think uh, I always say it's the, it's the best lawyers. We all, we all know that, you know, most of these trusts, and unfortunately it was wives or, yeah, uh, most of the cases who were done in by because it was, the husband's uh, legal team accountant, whatever, who put this together, they co-trustees with them. And it's really, really hard to, to demonstrate, um, first of all, that it's an alter ego trust. And secondly, also the, the fact that there was an ulterior motive. But, you know, the courts are getting tired. So, um, you know, the spouses are going to have to be very mindful to make sure that you can, first of all, demonstrate that the purpose for which you set up the trust um, was pure that the, the way you, you went about with the trust assets, you know, it can't be proven that's an alter ego. And, uh, you know, that obviously there was, there was an ulterior motive for you to actually hide assets, you know, for purposes of divorce. Um, yeah, so I think uh, those two court cases, oh, uh, there's a nice quote that I read um, in that REM case. Um, the judge said, uh, the test to be successful in a claim is, um, has the spouse transferred personal assets to the trust mm -hmm. and dealt with them as if they were assets of the trust with a fraudulent or dishonest purpose of avoiding his obligation to properly account to the grief spouse for the accrual of his estate and thereby evade a payment of what was due to the respondent in accordance uh, with the accrual claim. So you can clearly uh, see there, you transfer personal assets, which were gonna form part of the accrual um, and treated them as if they were trust assets. So it's not falling into your estate, but there's a fraudulent or dishonest purpose. And unfortunately the aggrieved spouse is gonna have to prove, you know, like um, in the Mills versus Mills case that there was a, 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 an intent to actually deceive and uh, you know, impact an accrual claim. So I think that's exactly it. Thanks, Fia. I think that's where the whole thing rests. It's on the intent. It's on the actual intent and the actions taken. Because, you know, let's be honest, when we get together and it's happy days, then all things are fine. But the minute things go south, then intentions change, behavior change. And it then comes down to what was initially the intention of the trust, what was the intention of the assets in the trust, what was the behavior after that. And of course, then often what happens is it's not what happens in the beginning of the trust. It's as the relationship deteriorates, the actions into the trust and what, it, what surrounds those transactions. You can actually see those things go hand in hand when you just look a bit deeper. So I think that's where one has to be mindful. It's your actions and your intentions will really dictate at the end of the day where this will land. 
Um, also, probably he with the deepest pockets um, and the legal team would go a long way. Um, and then the judge it falls to. But for the most part, you're going to have to prove intent. Thanks for listening to this episode of Business Brainwaves. For more Business Brainwaves, please visit my website, nobleprosperity.co.za. Follow me on Facebook or connect with me on LinkedIn. For easy access, the links are posted below.